0: We're in this series called Simple Words That Have the Power to Change Your Life. Uh, Every week we're looking at one word God can use to turn things around. And today's word is really a prayer. Uh, It's a confession of need. It's the word help. Uh, Sometimes we pray it for ourselves, sometimes we pray it for other people. The first time I ever preached at a church where people talked back to you while you're preaching, I learned that when the sermon is going well, uh, people will say a lot of different things. Uh, If I'm preaching and it's going well, they'll say stuff like yes, or bring it, or preach it, or amen. Uh, If the sermon is not going well, you can tell because people will say, uh, help him Jesus. (laughs) You don't wanna hear, help him Jesus. I mean, I want help, but I don't wanna hear that prayer because sometimes I'm in a position where I need help, but I don't really want to admit that I need help. Uh, 30 years ago when I was in college uh, working at a camp, I was supposed to pick up the speaker for the week from uh, an airport and drive him back to the camp. And uh, he was a really important guy. He was the pastor of a very large church. Uh, It was my first time meeting him, Uh, he was British. And anytime I talk to someone who has a British accent, I feel like my IQ drops like 20 points. And so I didn't want him to think that I was dumb. Uh, I wanted him to think that I was smart. Well, the camp was like uh, 15 miles from the airport. Uh, After we had been driving for an hour, uh, he asked, uh, I thought with a touch of condescension, uh, might we be lost? Uh, Now, I had to choose, will I humble myself, come clean, admit I'm lost, I need help, or will I try to bluff my way out? Uh, I decided to come clean. Now, I only decided that for this sermon today. (laughs) It took 30 years. I've never told him. Uh, He's dead as a doornail. I mean, he'll never know. But I just got to say, it feels really good to come clean now. Uh, It turns out there's a bunch of reasons why we often don't ask for help. Like, I don't want to look weak. I don't want to be in debt to someone for helping me. Sometimes I don't even realize I need help. Or I'm afraid if I ask someone for help, maybe they'll take over or I'll lose control. There's one gender in particular that often has a hard time asking for help. Uh, Do you want to guess which one I'm referring to? One study revealed that even in the age of apps that give you directions on your phone, the average man drives 276 miles a year lost because he doesn't want to ask for directions. And this problem is so acute that one project involved training barbers to teach customers to talk about where they need help on the assumption that some men will only do it if people are pointing a sharp metal object at their head. We literally need to learn to ask for help. Just to kind of level the playing field, uh, I was gonna have you turn to the person next to you and say, I need help, but that would be way too vulnerable. Uh, So just to get us started, if you want to, turn to the person next to you, if you have someone next to you, and say to them with a tender, loving tone, you need help. (laughs) You see, the great danger, and we've all been there, is that if I don't get help, what started out as a little problem will turn into a crisis. What started out as going over budget ends up, deep in debt and shame. What started out as unresolved conflict ends up in a tragic divorce. What started out as problem behavior that I don't know how to get help from uh, becomes an addiction. A problem with flirtation or temptation turns into an affair. A problem with procrastination turns into unemployment. Someone who has a problem with being sarcastic or negative and they never got help for it finds it turns into a life where people just don't want to be their friend. The truth is it takes way more courage to say this one little word, help, than it does to hide and pretend and deny and act like I don't need help. Now, it turns out that the fact that we need help is one of the great clues to our identity and our spiritual condition. In the Bible, my help or my helper is actually one of the most used names for God. For example, in the book of Hebrews, he says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Now here's the central truth of this message and why this little word help is going to change your life if you let it. We are made to live in continual dependence on God in the context of surrender and interactive friendship. Like this relationship of of joyful dependence, which can look like weakness, is actually life and strength. The alternative, you know, no thanks God, I'd rather live in prideful self-sufficiency. Well, that ends up leading to utter disaster. So we're gonna look at the Bible to see this. Uh, there's a wonderful story uh, about Jesus at a wedding. Uh, it's such a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God breaking into our ordinary lives that it, it's become a favorite of artists over the centuries and writers too. It teaches us how to build our lives around continually saying help to Jesus all the time, every day. It's the second chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus is just beginning his ministry, and here's what John writes. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, It seems like uh, every wedding that I've ever been to, something goes wrong. I mean, someone forgets a line, someone forgets the rings, uh, the flowers are the wrong color, uh, someone can't stop crying, uh, a groomsman doesn't show up. Now, at the wedding Jesus is at, the problem is they ran out of wine. And in the ancient world, this was a big deal. When hospitality was a sacred obligation, to run out of wine meant shame and disgrace for the family, maybe even legal action. It would forever ruin the memory of the wedding day for the couple. And this becomes the setting for what really is kind of the first prayer ever made to Jesus. I know it's not called a prayer, but it's really what it is. They ran out of wine. By the way, What are you running out of today? Are you running out of courage? Are you running out of patience or strength or hope? Who are you talking to about it? Will you ask Jesus for help? Anyway, Mary talks to Jesus about this. Uh, The text doesn't say, Uh, why she did this, Uh, maybe she felt badly for the couple, Uh, maybe she had some role to play in the wedding like she was the wedding coordinator or something. Uh, Maybe she goes to Jesus because Jesus had brought all of his disciples with him and that's why they ran out of wine. You know, the disciples were not terribly couth guys. Uh, They were fishermen and tax collectors. Like they followed the most interesting man in the world And maybe their motto was, you know, stay thirsty, my friends. I don't know. Like for whatever reason, Mary comes to Jesus and she says four words. They have no wine. It's so interesting. Uh, A writer named Max Lucado says this is the first prayer ever prayed to Jesus. And I want to say a word to you. If you think you're not good at praying or if you ever feel uh, sheepish about praying in front of other people, maybe you don't think you do that too well. This is the first prayer, and it's from Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it's not fancy. You know, beautiful prayers get put on uh, plaques and hung on people's walls, like uh, the Lord is my shepherd or our Father who art in heaven. They have no wine. (laughs) Like no one puts that one on a plaque, unless it's in Napa. Uh, See, what matters in prayer is not what you say, It's to whom you say it. By the way, this whole story hinges on Mary's choice to do this. We know Jesus wasn't planning on uh, this because of his response. Like he doesn't say, "Uh, I know they're out of wine, mom. Like I'm already on it. I'm doing something. Jesus didn't come to Cana to do a miracle. He wasn't planning on that. He wasn't even doing the wedding ceremony. He wasn't giving the homily. He was just hanging out. Jesus did what he did because Mary asked him what she asked. Her request, her prayer changed things. Now, you'll notice Jesus doesn't give to his mom the immediate answer she wanted. You know, okay, I'll take care of it. He actually says, my hour has not yet come. You know, sometimes you'll pray for help. You'll you'll pray this help prayer like, God, would you help me? Jesus, would you help me? and not get the answer you're hoping for. You know, Jesus, it's my job. Jesus, uh, it's cancer. Jesus, she's not coming back. Jesus, my little girl has lost her health. Jesus, I feel desperately alone. Now, I don't know why it is that prayers sometimes don't get answered how or when we want them to, but I'll tell you what I believe. I believe we're not yet at the end of God's story. That hour has not yet come. And I believe despair is never the answer. And I believe God is and loves to be our refuge and our help no matter how any particular circumstance turns out. I would love so much to have heard the tone and seen the facial expressions of this conversation because the next line in this story is so fascinating. Uh, There's a world of teaching for us uh, as we think about prayer and relating to Jesus in Mary's next comment. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. It's so interesting. Jesus just said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My time has not yet come. And she doesn't say anything back to Jesus. She doesn't even answer his question. Instead, she says this amazing sentence, and not just to the servants. You see, uh, these really are our orders from this story. If you wanna know the kind of relationship in which the help prayer makes sense with Jesus, do whatever he tells you. If you wanna see water turn to wine, if you wanna see up there, come down here, if you want God involved in your ordinary life and your ordinary problems, if you want to live in the presence and favor of the kingdom of God here and now, do whatever he tells you. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Lay up treasure in heaven. Care for the poor. Seek first the kingdom of God. Do to others what you would have done to you. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. People wonder sometimes what kind of church we are. I'll tell you, we are a do-whatever-he-tells-you kind of church. It's an amazing statement Mary makes. She doesn't understand why Jesus said what he said, why he hasn't done what she's asked him to do, but her response is, do-whatever-he-tells-you. And really, that's the kind of church we are. All right, we'll look at the rest of this story in just a moment.
1: As Matt has been teaching, I've been struck by the movement of Mary in these verses. Mary has walked with Jesus for 30ish years now. She watched her squishy little baby born in a barn grow into a young, wild toddler. She's seen him go through those teenage years and now here they are at a wedding. Her adult son was huddled around with his squirrely group of friends and then the wine runs out. out. So Mary makes this observation and she makes the request. And then when Jesus asks her another question, Mary exercises faith knowing Jesus can do miraculous things and she tells the servants to do what Jesus tells them. And then Mary waits. That's where Matt has left us right now. A request has been made, faith has been exercised, and now we are waiting. And when we break down Mary's journey in this way, we may find some similarity with her. We all have moments or seasons of needing help. Now, help looks different to all of us and looks different throughout our lives. Maybe we need help with knowing what to do with stressful kids or family situations maybe we need help with difficult job scenarios. Maybe we need help with shame or guilt or things from the past. October 10th was World Mental Health Day and so much of my help area stems around my own mental health. So maybe like me, your help that is weighing on you is a help for mental health. No matter what your help is right now, know that we all have one. Uh, And this week I challenge you to walk through and think about your help like Mary did. Mary saw and observed an issue around her and she requested change in her observation. Uh, So what's bugging you? What's on your mind when we talk about needing help? And once you know that or know what your help is, what does it look like to request help? Do you pray? Do you tell a friend or a family member? Do you email our prayer team? Step one, observe and request. And then like Mary, we lean into faith. What characteristics about God or Jesus or what verse or song can you think about as you're being tossed by the waves of your situation? In my deepest mental health struggles, my faith verse is John 16, In this world you have, will have issues, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's this verse and declaration of God's power, which to me is helpful. Once we recognize our area of help, how do we partner that? with our faith. And then we wait. Mary requested Jesus to do something and she leaned into this faith that he could do something and then she waited to see how he acted. And luckily for Mary, Jesus acted real fast. Uh, But in my life, when I've requested and had faith in the prayer for help, sometimes the season of wait takes a while, a few weeks or months or years. We wait with hope and faith for the action for our help. Mary's story is a story of these steps of help. Each of us probably has a thing we need help with, and each of us is probably experiencing a stage of this journey. Maybe we see a problem and we're trying to figure out how to address it. Maybe we are actively leading into faith as we process the help around us. Maybe we have requested and prayed and are in a season of wait. No matter where we're at, all of us have an area in life where we may need to say that simple word, help. And no matter what stage you're at, remember that God is present and working and that you have a community here that's ready to support you. Let's rejoin Matt and see how Jesus responded and what happened when Mary said help.
0: All right, so Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Uh, Now look how the servants respond because this is a great lesson for us from their response. I love this. Jesus doesn't say anything to his mom. He turns to the servants uh, that she just spoke to, and he gives them instructions. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Then notice their response. So they filled them to the brim. To the brim. Like they didn't have to fill them to the brim. You try hauling about 150 gallons of water. I mean, it gets heavy. You're looking for a reason not to have to carry that much. They didn't understand all that was going on. They didn't know all about who Jesus was. They could have filled the jars just two thirds of the way up, but then they would have missed 50 gallons of miracle. They just did what a good servant does. Uh, they obeyed him with their whole hearts. They did what he asked of them, and then they went beyond that. This is fill it to the brim obedience. And <laughs> this is such a great story. Do whatever he tells you. Jesus says, fill it. And they fill it to the brim. And Jesus is just beaming because he knows what they don't know. Like he's about to turn H2O into Merlot. Uh, There's an old saying, bring God a thimble and he'll probably fill it. Uh, Bring God a bucket and he'll probably fill that. If you want to make God your helper, you see, it's not about starting with whatever it is you happen to want. The place to begin with isn't, you know, God, here's what I really demand in my life. Uh, I'm gonna make my request, my litmus test for whether or not you exist, whether or not I'll trust you. It starts with, do whatever he tells you. Then don't just go through the motions. Like, fill it to the brim. Encourage someone fully. Like, fill an hour of work with your whole heart. Serve someone in your home with delight instead of a grudging spirit. Give a gift to God that actually represents sacrifice on your part. Tell the whole truth courageously when you're tempted to lie. Ask God, God help me, help me, help me, help me. You see, that's the way the kingdom works. When we serve with a fill it to the brim spirit, we're the ones who get to be a part of the miracle. We're the ones who get to see the water turned into wine. You know, this wedding got saved and the big shots didn't know what happened. The master of the banquet, he didn't know how. Uh, The groom didn't know how. The servants, the ones who did whatever he told them to do, they knew. In the kingdom of God, it's the servants who know. It's those who obey with their whole hearts who know. Can you imagine what they said when they went home that night when their spouse asked them, you know, anything interesting happened at work today? I mean, can you imagine how they followed Jesus' ministry from that day forward? Can you imagine how they responded to the crucifixion and then the resurrection? Can you imagine when they were old and they were telling their you know, grandchildren, you know, I was there. I saw it happen. Like I got to help Jesus at the greatest wedding banquet of all time. I did whatever he said. I filled it to the brim and he turned water into wine. I'll tell you what, uh, I used to think this story was kind of a frivolous miracle. Uh, You know, other things Jesus did like miraculous things have kind of a, a weight to them. He cleansed lepers. He gave sight to the blind. He fed 5,000. I mean, he raised the dead. I mean, those are good, respectable miracles, but becoming a heavenly BevMo distributor for a family who already has wealth enough to have servants, I mean, doesn't that seem a little superficial? Not at all. (laughs) You see, here's the deal. This story tells us something about Jesus and the kingdom and why we're made to depend on God. That's why John says it's the first sign. You see, all Mary was hoping for was to avert disaster. You know, they have no wine. Jesus goes way beyond averting disaster. Jesus doesn't just make wine, he makes the, this wine of extraordinary quality. You know, I don't have a cultivated palate, I don't understand much about wine. Uh, I have a friend who has a genuine wine cellar. Uh, I bought him a bottle of wine as a way of thanking him for something and and then I looked at it and I noticed it had an expiration date on it. (laughs) That's like, that's not a sign that says, this is great wine. Jesus makes the best wine anyone had ever tasted. And it's not just the quality that's remarkable in this story, it's also the quantity. There were these six huge stone jars, I mean, it would be the equivalent of, of 150 gallons of wine This is what John says. What Jesus did here at Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. You know, this is his glory. Like you're just hoping to avoid disaster and he wants you to be a part of his eternal kingdom. This is his glory. You're just a low level servant. You have no connections. You have no money. He has a miracle for you to be a part of if you'll just do whatever he tells you. I was thinking at this party, Jesus did this miracle and a few dozen people were able to keep on drinking. You know, in our day, millions of people have been enslaved by alcohol. It's been like hell on earth. It's ruined their lives. And yet in the midst of it, they find God. And God does the miracle of enabling them to stop drinking. Maybe you've experienced that miracle. And God will use you to help save another person's life who has that same problem. Like whatever problem you go through, whether it's grief or addiction or anger or divorce, God will use you. Uh, He'll not only heal you, he'll turn that water into wine. He'll use you to help other people. And it all starts with one word, help. God help, Jesus help. The little miracle is wine out of water. Uh, The big miracle it foretells is life drawn from its divine source. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, have it filled to the brim. Jesus bore our sins on the cross to forgive them He poured his blood out like wine, so the the cleansing promised by water, you know, water that would be stored in those jars, would become an unconquerable reality. At Cana, we see Jesus not only shares our griefs to heal them, he shares our joys to enhance them. Uh, He shared our life to make us more alive. You know, salvation is not just like overcoming, not just like negating uh, of death, it's the elevation of life. God has a miracle for you. I'm not kidding. God has a miracle for you that's bigger and better and more extravagant than you can imagine. So much more bigger than uh, nicer houses or newer cars. Like one day, you're gonna see Jesus and you'll be like Him. One day life is coming where joy and energy and confidence and friendliness and peace will flow like wine, but it's not coming from a bottle and it won't enslave anyone. It'll be like a 180 proof spirit of God. I wanna tell you something about next week. Next week, uh, we're coming to a great word. Uh, It's the word sorry. It's one of the most difficult words to say. It'll probably be the most challenging word in this series, but it's a word that will radically change your life and your relationships. And I hope and pray you invite everyone you can to hear it because all too often the church has forgotten the goodness and the joy that we're saved for. A great thinker, philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard had an observation that kind of, is haunting for me when I think about some Christians and churches. This is what he wrote. Christ turned water into wine, but the church has succeeded in doing something even more difficult. It has turned wine into water. And we do that without God. Like without God, life is much less alive. Without God, grace turns into rules. Goodness just becomes pride. Faith just becomes excluding other people. You know, we get grim and self-righteous. Here's what uh, the help prayer invites us into. I mean, just let go of that stupid uh, arrogance, fear, and self-sufficiency. The whole notion that anyone is above help is such an illusion. In the book, Roots by Alex Haley, he talks about how in his office, uh, he kept a picture of a turtle on a fence post. And when anyone would ask him about why there's a turtle or a picture of a turtle on a fence post, he would say, anytime you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he had some help. He didn't get there on his own. And I was thinking about this word and how deep it goes for us. When Jesus was a little boy, He would say this word to Mary, like, help me, mommy. It's one of the first words a child learns. Help me get dressed. Help me eat my food. Help me go potty. How amazing that God humbled himself in Jesus, the maker of the universe, asking for help to tie the laces of his sandals. I was thinking if a parent lives long enough, uh, things start to change. You know, they end up asking their children for help. Help me get dressed. Help me eat my food. Help me go to the bathroom. We're born needing help. We die needing help. In between, you know, we can fool ourselves into thinking we don't need help, but all it takes is a little age. All it takes is a little health problem or a little blood vessel that doesn't work or a little email from the job saying, the job is no longer ours then we remember the word help. God, would you help me? Here's the thing, you know, when we pray help with our whole hearts, it's when we tell him what we're out of. And when we do whatever he tells us to do, that's when the glory of God gets revealed once more. That's when up there comes down here into our little lives. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. And out of the core of your being, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. So stay thirsty, my friends. All right, let me pray for you. God, we just ask that you would help us for those who are listening right now, um, there's something going on in life where they need your help. So God, I pray that you would uh, just move powerfully in their lives. God, that you would uh, do a miracle in their lives as they reach out to you for help, as they reach out that hand. pray that you would reach out and grab their hand and that you would lift them up out of whatever despair they're in that you would bring the help that they need. God, would you help us to do whatever it is that you tell us to do as we search your word, as we um, read the words of Jesus in the gospels, help us to do the things that he tells us to do and help us to to live our lives with this uh, fill it to the brim kind of spirit. And God, God, would you lead us to a place where we're just living out this kind of life that you call us to live and we're experiencing miracle after miracle because you're so actively involved in our lives. God, would you guide us and lead us and help us to remember your words from this story and help help those words to actually make an impact in our lives this week? And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And We hope to see you on Sunday soon.